Welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today we're going to talk marketing because pretty much it is voodoo, right? It's uh, uh, You kind of think you know what you're doing, and sometimes you do like the dumbest thing on the planet, and it works fabulously well, and you're wondering why. And then you go scientific and you research and you know exactly what to do to get clients. And then you hear crickets and nobody's coming. And Adam is here to uh, demystify marketing. Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here today. So one of the areas of confusion is uh, what is the relationship of sales and marketing? So define both. What are sales and what is marketing? Yeah, and I spent five years in corporate America selling medical device equipment. So very familiar with the differences and the importance between the sales and the marketing aspect. The two obviously go hand in hand, but the sales is more obviously on the transactional and relationship building side of closing the deal, providing the value after customer support, those types of things. Whereas the marketing is, is how people find you and more importantly, what they think about you, your product and your service. And then the sales is again, tying in that transaction of actually getting them over the hump. So I'm going to define it a little bit different, but uh, you know, add some comments to it, challenge it. So in the best sense of the word, uh, marketing starts with, is there a problem out there in the world? And what is that problem? And should we be fixing it? So we have a sense of, okay, we're in the farm equipment uh, arena. What kind of problems are farmers having? And they've got this one problem. And then we go to our engineering folks and say, hey, can we solve this problem? And then we put some feelers out to farmers. You know, If we have this thing, would you be willing to buy it? And then we finally develop it and then the sales go out. So almost sales is a subset of marketing mm. if marketing and sales play really well, because oftentimes they don't. Uh, so would you, uh, how would you change the definition I gave? Yeah. So I, I think what you're talking about here is making sure that your messaging or the, the marketing itself leads into what is actually being sold. So I think a lot of times people are selling something that actually isn't marketed. They're selling something completely different. The messaging is completely different. They might be over-promising and under-delivering, all of those different things. You have to make sure that there's an end-to-end -end connection. When marketing is done right, that marketing will automatically lead into the sales funnel and basically make it a walkover or a layover sale. Done well. And uh, so where do people go wrong when it comes to marketing? Like where are yeah. the common mistakes that if we were saying, okay, here are the five mistakes uh, marketers make, what would they be? So the biggest one is identifying and understanding who your ideal client is. So we work with a lot of contractors. We work with real estate investors, professional service businesses, and contractors specifically. I'll just use that as an example. They'll be like, oh, we do any roof. Like, we just want more leads. We want more roofs. Yeah. It's like, okay, if somebody calls you to get a roof repaired or they're an hour from your house and it's a really small roof, are you going to be super excited that we get you that marketing lead? And they're no. going to be like, no, I don't do that. Well, okay, then you don't work with every single homeowner or business that has roofs. So you need to identify 
the key characteristics that amplify who your ideal client, who that ideal customer avatar is. Number two is understanding where they fall in the landscape of marketing and advertising. Where are those ideal, sorry. Yeah, especially on roofing, you can fall and it's very dangerous. Sorry, (laughs) I love it, I love it. And in that landscape, where are they finding out about X, Y, and Z roofing free services? And where are they making their decisions? Because those could be two different places. A lot of times people want to go either super old school and traditional routes, or they want to go to the latest and greatest marketing on social fat. So I want to blow up on TikTok. I want to have a viral Instagram reel or a YouTube video. Great. Everybody in the world might know who you are, but if you can't help anybody, everybody in the world, then it doesn't really matter if you can't help the people in St. Louis or wherever you're at. So that's number two. And then honestly, three to five is, you know, a lot of times people will hire the wrong marketing agency. They won't budget the right amount of money and they also won't give it enough time to actually pay off. So those are kind of like intertwined three, four, five right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Understanding who your customer is or who they could be is uh, really important. Uh, so why don't we take a look at, like our market is uh, realtors. Mm. Uh, our solution is uh, uh, if you were fearless, you'd be doing more transactions. You'd make more money and uh, your kids would go to a better school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's like, a, let's say 300,000 realtors in the U.S., so not every realtor is uh, my market. Uh, in my market, we can do online stuff. So they potentially could be, but they're still not. So what questions would you ask me if you if we were using this as a demo to really get me to identify what group of realtors would be the target? Like walk me through building an avatar. We already have one. Then we'll compare notes, yeah. uh, kind of what you come up with and make this a teaching exercise. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the volume that they're doing every single year. So like, what's the average volume they're doing? What is the population of the city in which they're doing physical business? And those are the first two questions I'm asking. So uh, let's say they're doing uh, 30 transactions a year. So it's better than most realtors. Most realtors are doing like uh, sub three. Yeah. And generally, you know, major metropolitan areas would be best. So, uh, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, the big cities, Toronto would be easier for us to get to if we need to physically get there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So people that are doing well that know they could be doing better. And then thirdly, what is the biggest pain point that all of them consistently kind of have? So the consistent pain point would be uh, frustration of being stuck at that level of performance no matter they, what they seem to do, they can't go beyond that. Mm. But when they're talking to their uh, team lead or other folks, they're going like, Adam, you could blow this up. I can see you've got the, and it's like, oh, shut up, please. It's yeah. because I can't figure it out. Yeah. And so, yeah, that. Yeah. So you, you've identified, obviously, where they're at in terms of transactions. So that's 30 transactions a year. You know the types of markets that they're in. And then you overarching know the messaging that you have to have in order to get more of those people talking and portraying. One of the the biggest things that I see companies just in general is they don't strike the pain points of their ideal clients. 
So you know that pain point right there that people are frustrated. The, the word that comes to mind with that is that they know that they have and can give more. There's that next level with inside yeah. them, but they're not tapping into that overarching potential. So the messaging is, is, hey, hey, you, you know, Mr. Adam, you have more potential. You are frustrated with X, Y, and Z, and you're likely doing 30 transactions a month, but you want to get to X, Y, and Z, and you're probably in a city of this size. That's where the marketing really, really gets dialed in. So they self-select in. Say, oh, it's just talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Because the biggest thing, and so I'm in digital marketing, and there's hundreds of thousands of options that are out there, no different than real estate. The two markets are actually very similar in terms of the competition and the range of people that have one or two clients all the way up to us that have 700 and, and companies even bigger. The difference is, is that you want to, and even with what you're selling and what you're talking to, is you don't want to sell these people. You want to make sure that they have the information that they need. So then that way, by the time the sell happens, they're almost like, I can't go without this any further. And they walk themselves into the transaction. Yeah, love that. And just to add to that, uh, dear listeners and viewers, is you've got this amazing resource. Uh, you've got these customers that you already have. And getting your marketing agency to interview them and to go, you know, you've got a choice, uh, Adam, you've got a choice of, you know, 400 consulting firms. Why did you go with Umar? And then you go, oh, the reason I went was this. What problem has he solved? What unexpected thing? What was the cause? So sometimes it's hard for us to figure it out, uh, talking to our clients directly. But if you get a professional like Adam calling your clients, basically interviewing them, sometimes you get those magic phrases that only your client would know. And that phrase in your marketing would light up somebody else who's got the same problem because they're in the mm -hmm. same profession. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's like at that uh, award dinner at the end of the year when I'm not winning that award, it just pisses me off. Yeah. And I beat myself up. It's not a, against my boss or anybody else. It's just like last year you promised you'd be there and you didn't. So yeah, talking to your existing customers is gold and so here's my theory, Adam, and please uh, comment on it, is when I talk to my customers directly, there's a relationship there and there's a, sometimes a politeness there and they have a sense of what answer I'm looking for. But when I get Adam to call them up, then they're usually more open and it allows you to probe deeper. Uh, and I think it allows somebody that's good at marketing to really find those nuggets that will really help the sale, the marketing move forward. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there's two different aspects that occur. There is one, the person that is asking the question usually knows not just the initial question to ask, because anybody can do that, but the follow-up question, the one that digs and peels back the onion mm. a little bit deeper for marketing purposes. So you're going to get a better answer, but two, there's less you know, there's less of that relationship. There's less of that emotion tied to it. And then when they're in that groove, they're going a little bit deeper down that path, which gives a better information and a better answer as well. Yeah. And what's kind of interesting is some of the most successful companies out there, sometimes when they were asked the question, what business are you really in? It's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm in this business. It's like, are you really? And sometimes they realize they're in this like really sweet spot that they just need to do a small pivot and they can dominate the market. Mm. And uh, so that you need somebody trained that can ask the right questions. Uh, 
So good example. Uh, it is a cleaning company and they clean uh, offices and pretty much to clean offices, all you need is uh, uh, to be unemployed mm. and to have a mop and you're in business. Mm. And so this particular company, when, you know, asked, you know, so tell me more about what you're doing and how long does it take to do a floor and how do you do this? So what are you doing to do it better? It's like, oh, we import these chemicals in that allow us to clean the floors faster. So it's less time per, per office. So, oh, really? Tell me more about the chemicals. And all of a sudden they went from a cleaning company that is doing highly competitive work is why don't you just focus on the chemicals? And there's like 10,000 cleaning companies on this quarter of the U S and help them save 15 minutes a floor. And all of a sudden they went from being a, a cleaning company, a me too, to a chemical company that, uh, just dominates that space yeah oh yeah i mean you're, you're speaking a lot when you when you start to identify your ideal client and you love doing business with them right and you want to get more of those people it helps with your messaging and it even gets you niched down so mm -hmm. everybody says the riches are in the niches and that is absolutely true even though we're a digital marketing company we work with contractors and home service businesses and professional service companies that happen to be doing X number of revenue that have X number of employees. And that's who we're marketing to, even though we could work with anybody that's out there in the world. The smaller you you resonate with that market and, and quantify that, the more you're going to be able to go just down that path and become the authority. So Adam, I hear exactly what you're saying and I agree with you 100%, but it's so freaking difficult to do. Yeah. Because you're because I'm sitting here going, you know, realtors are our market. This is our niche. We're freaking fantastic at it. But we just got a call from an insurance company. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's yeah. going to be a paycheck and we're going to go there. And then uh, I find it's really hard to stay true. And if you stay focused on that niche and become the dominant player and you get referrals, this is how you really blow up the company, mm. but it's, it takes effort and tenacity and willpower to, to stay true to that. And that's why you need a marketing agency next to you saying, I own the prize. I own the prize. Don't get distracted. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it's tough to walk away from a situation, especially when you know that you can help those people, yep. but that it doesn't align with who you are best utilized to serve and what you don't realize by saying yes to that opportunity, you're saying no to other opportunities or getting further down that niche down path quicker, more efficiently and more effectively by taking that other opportunity. So that's where it gets really tough, too, because you're not doing yeah. anything wrong. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. It's just not to the right audience. And the repercussions of that is this. It's like, uh, uh, hey, if you're a realtor doing about 30, 40 transactions a year, and you know you're capable of doing 100, and you can't figure out why, we're going to show you where you're stuck in the next five minutes. Click on the link. Let's have a conversation. That's my website message. It's, it hits. But if I start doing insurance and others, if you're a salesperson, realtor, or this, and you're experiencing these things and those things and that thing, then all of a sudden it's a diluted messaging, mm. and everybody gets confused. And uh, so, yeah. Go in the niches. So, Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So uh, if you need to take a shot of whiskey, now's the time to do it. Uh, so marketing is an imprecise science. Yes. It's all about testing. And so tell me a story, uh, you know, where you are right now or before, 
where you misread the market and you started executing a marketing plan? And then how did you catch yourself and what pivot did you do to kind of uh, go in the right path? Because that would be really useful for people to uh, know that A, that happens and that's normal. And B, how do you recognize it and how do you fix it? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I think it, what you just said, people need to go back and listen to that. Is it is not a uh, correct science. There's no, you know, one way to do all of this stuff. When I got into digital marketing back in 2018, I was doing it on the side while I was in medical device sales. So I'm mm. selling CPAP equipment. I built 200 websites and ranked them on Google before I ever sold anybody anything. And that set me up for the path on success mm. of being able to do this at scale at the company that I'm at right now at height, because I spent a lot of my time, energy and money throwing a bunch of crap against the wall, seeing what works specifically with Google's algorithms and those other platforms. So I invested a lot of my own money mm. to, to, to see what worked and what didn't. So then that way, when I started charging people for it, I was able to get more out of their budget quicker, more efficiently, and do all of those things. I turned two of those companies. So I look at it as, hey, I spent a bunch of money, learned a lot of lessons, mistakes, but at least it wasn't somebody else's money. I ended right. up turning two of those companies into actual businesses because they were generating so many phone calls on Google. So I also own an auto glass repair company, and I also own a landscape design business nice. just from some silly website that I built and ranked the first page of Google here in St. Louis. Love it. And I think that's one of the things is uh, marketing is all about testing. Think of yourself as a scientist as opposed to, oh, I'm going to get clients because that would be the end result if you do it well. Mm. Uh, I was just talking to uh, a buddy of mine. He works for this company. They have these large email lists and they sell financial reports to people that want to get rich. Mm. And uh, he was just kind of bleary eyed when I spoke to him last week. Hey, dude, what's going on? He said, yeah, we were just talking about uh, how to increase the uh, conversion uh, 0.02% uh, by changing the color of the font or the background. And we're really nitpicking it right now because of the size of their list, that 0.02% is like $100,000 in revenue coming in. Yeah. So, but they're still testing. Mm. They're testing. There's a company called Fred Pryor. They do uh, courses throughout the U.S., and uh, since they do so much marketing material, they'll send uh, a, a, a blue uh, brochure to this zip code and a green one to another zip code in the same uh, state, same city, and go, oh, the blue one is getting a 5% better conversion rate. So now let's go test the font on the blue one. We're going to go blue everywhere else. And they've been doing this for the last 40 years, and they're still testing because it's a never-ending process, but it pays mm. at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go to the next topic, which is uh, in larger companies, it's like if those freaking people at marketing gave me some decent leads, I'd be able to close them. And yeah. marketing is like those lazy, good-for-nothing salespeople. They take these leads and – uh, instead of converting them, they're salespeople, goddammit. They're just basically squandering them. So there's this battle between marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. So how do we, uh, you know, it's easier to uh, uh, bring peace to the Middle East than to bring for those two. But if you and I were doing it, what are some of the things we would do to get marketing and sales to realize that uh, 
they are conjoined twins and they need to, if they work well together, they can get along and do spectacular things. I, I think it's two main things is one is automation. A lot of times between marketing and sales is there's a lot of back and forth because things aren't automated and you're not looking at the data. Well, you know, men lie, women lie, data tells the true story. So you need to be focused on the automation, the data. So then that way, when the sales department and the marketing department are like the leads suck, well, then the sales department is, you know, over there saying like, hey, these leads suck. But the marketing department's like, but yeah, you only called that lead once. Why aren't they on an automated system? Why isn't there follow up all those different types of things? And then two is having a joint ownership of the end result. The end yeah. result in business is more sales. So compensating marketing people or, or marketing head of a department that manages the marketing team on a little piece of that pie of growth within the company as a whole, we have seen dramatically do that. Because when the marketing department sits over here and it's just like, oh, we're getting you more leads than ever. But the sales department is like, yeah, I understand that. But like the leads are really, really bad. Well, then the marketing department takes it more seriously because they're not just looking for the lead quantity to increase. They're looking for the lead quality to increase because now they're compensated on the growth of that. I love that. And the other thing to do is uh, I was working with this company where they have uh, a battle between uh, certification department and the engineers. Mm. And so the end solution that ended up happening was they embedded the certification department with the engineers. Mm. So they're in teams together. And yeah. I think marketing and sales hanging out together, having a marketer, marketer for three salespeople and they're sitting in a team and then the salesperson get off the phone and say, look, I just had a bad call. Listen to this. Like this was not the right individual for us. And here's why. And mm. the marketing go, well, you asked the wrong question. Here's the questions to ask or, huh, damn it. We're going to tweak our thing to make it better. So you get better leads. Yeah. Then on the other side. Uh, so it, because there's oftentimes the only time they have communications is through the sales manager and the marketing manager uh, at their weekly meeting, a monthly meeting. And then by the time it uh, gets down to the people on the ground, it's a muddled message. And oftentimes it's like, this is what they said, but don't listen to them. We're doing okay. And I think embedding them together uh, really uh, gets people to work well, understanding what people do. Because oftentimes when I consult with companies, one of the, there's two basic problems almost always. One is communications. And the other one is roles and responsibilities. Oh, I had no idea marketing did this. Mm. Like I just know the title, but when you actually go down and say, okay, so I'll give you an example. I was working with a catering company and it was a two day retreat. And then I asked the VP of sales. So what happens when a lead comes in? He goes, Oh, well, uh, one of the sales staffs responds back to the lead and sets up a call. So, and then what happens on the call on the call? They figure out kind of what the event is, what they want to do. Then what happens? Then I reach out to the kitchen staff and it was a 60 step process to go from first call to getting referrals from a happy bride and groom or whatever from that event. And when the people in the kitchen heard that, like the chef, it was like, holy shit. I thought salespeople were just like playing golf, goofing off, not doing anything. Yeah. And, then, and when they go on the kitchen side, like what really has to happen? Mm. And it all of a sudden goes, oh. and I think that's what sales and marketing really need to do is to figure out what each of them are doing. Mm. And without that other side getting feedback, 
into what's working well and what isn't, the other side can improve. And so I think having them together would be uh, uh, beneficial to all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the more cohesiveness, the more synchronization. I mean, I, I think it goes back to just selling on like what the actual vision is of the company mm. and making sure all of your departments understand the importance of that. And they're all rowing in the same direction. Otherwise, they're going to be butting heads. So one of the key things to do is to have, uh, I'm going to say intimate relationships. Mm. Uh, like if you can have an intimate relationship with your customer, uh, what that means to me is that you get seen as a trusted advisor. Yes. You've got a problem going on that I'm picking up the phone and going, hey, Adam, uh, this is going on over here. And it might be marketing related or it could be tangential but you hear about it or all of a sudden our customers are not buying this product and don't know what the problem is. And then uh, you go, Hey, why don't we do a survey of your customers, figure out what's really going on behind the politeness. So how would you recommend people set up these trusted relationships with their clients? So they go from total strangers to, I trust you a little bit to, I want to buy from you to thanks for doing that. See you later. Uh, but go beyond that to let's go on this journey together for the next 10 years. I think it, it starts with communication and an open feedback loop. Like nobody is perfect. No business is ever perfect. No customer experience. Oh, hold on. Let me, uh, uh, my wife's in the background. Did you hear that, honey? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, no customer experience is perfect and all those things. So when you try to avoid tough conversations, when you try to make it seem like everything is perfect in your business and the customer is the one that's crazy, of course, there's going to be times where the customer is crazy and there's nothing you can do. You just have to be understanding of that and ask for it. Almost seek out feedback, both positive and negative, because that's the only way you're going to get better is when you hear and actually listen to your clients that are already paying you. It's a lot harder to get more clients than it is to keep and retain a client and then turn that client into a referral partner and somebody that is raving about your business. Those Absolutely. are two completely different things. And I think what expectations are such an in integral part of relationships uh, that as you start this relationship up with a client, it's like, hey, we're going to be doing a quarterly review with you about what's going on, what's happening, what are the latest things in marketing, what's happening in your industry, and just setting those expectations up front. Number one, it adds value to mm -hmm. the relationship. Number two, if you can tell a story, yeah, we're already doing this with ABC Company, and let me tell you how this has changed their business, yeah. is that uh, instead of their own marketing people that would be kind of stuck in a bubble, just working all the time, we've got so many clients that we see the latest things that they and you kind of sell that in there. One, you sell. And two, that's how you become a trusted advisor is by doing that value add. And when you do that value add and generate a report, they get a tangible thing saying, oh, my God, I'm so happy we've got uh, height as uh, our agency that is not just they're selling us this, but they're helping us grow as a company. And they're, it would be nice if you guys got invited to this strategic retreat. Mm, Doing yeah. a retreat, Adam, when you come down and uh, we could use your wisdom when we're planning, you know, 2024. Yes. Yeah. Mm. All right, Adam, this is the last question for you. Uh, 
you need to get into the mind of uh, the customers and really figure out what's happening there. Uh, what are three ways you recommend people can get into the head of their ideal client? So I think one is understanding like what they're looking for out of the relationship. So like, what does good look like? What are your expectations of this? And then everything else is backtracked from there. So you, most people don't set KPIs or like a baseline in a relationship or even understand the foundation. And then that's number one. Number two is just literally asking how the progress is going and backtracking that off of what the initial expectations and guidelines were for starting the particular project and then finishing everything up is asking what can we do to improve because mm. they're going to give you insightful information to say hey you should be improving on x y and z and, and maybe some of the stuff is just impossible or not actually valid but a lot of times you're going to get your best information and your best things to be able to pull from for the future of your future clients, as well as improving it for the clients that are already doing business with you. Love it. Adam, we're going to put down all your contact information in the show notes, but in case someone's like uh, sweating on a treadmill uh, when they're listening to this, uh, why don't you tell us how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to adammcchesney.com. That'll be the place where you can see all my different social links, different business ventures and things like that. And then you can also find me on Instagram easily uh, compared to all the other platforms. And that's Adam L. McChesney. Brilliant. Adam, uh, let me close out the show. Then we'll talk afterwards. Thanks so much for being on the show. It had uh, actionable advice that people can implement right now, including calling you. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 